0: Hello to those that have just joined us. We're just waiting for the last um, couple of people to join us. We will be starting in a minute or two. But in the meantime, for those that have recently joined, um, Tristan's put into the chat box, which may have popped up on your screen. um, He's put a hyperlink there to more information. Um, So we are expecting um, quite a a good number of people. So we're just going to give it another minute or two at which point we will, we will start and um, start going. And so, yeah, have a look at that link.
1: Okay, welcome everyone. I think what we'll do is make a start. So good afternoon. Good afternoon. And let me introduce myself. My name is Kay maddox James, And I'm going to be presenting today with my colleague. First of all, let me introduce you, Marco. And, Marco Van Dyke, who is a very experienced tutor with Acacia Learning, and also Tristan. Tristan Callaghan, would you like to say hello, Tristan? Tristan's there.
2: Sorry, hello everyone, welcome.
1: Thanks, Tristan. Okay, let's make a start. So thank you all for joining us um, this afternoon. We've got a few slides that we're going to be talking through, and I just want to firstly outline the agenda for you. So this afternoon we've, um, are a few key things that we'd like to do with. Um, firstly, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context in terms of the HR map and why we've got a new map. Then I'm going to be passing over to Marco who's going to give us a little bit of historical context so that we can more easily compare and contrast the 2013, 2013 map with the 2018 map. After Marco, we're going to go to Tristan, and Tristan's going to give us more detail about the 2018 map, and particularly looking at the five circles. Then what we're going to do is come back and have a look at how it relates to us whether it's students or HR professionals, and then it's your turn. So anything that you'd like to ask us, we'll be taking questions and um, doing our very best to answer your questions. Okay, so without any further ado, let's start by having a look at why did we need a new map? Okay. So, the the map in essence is, has has been put together to help us champion better work and working lives. The world of work is changing and the future is going to raise new questions, but with it, new opportunities. Not only the world of work is changing, but the people profession is changing. And the new map really is to help us with the confidence and the capability to guide our decision-making, our actions and our behaviour. The new map, is going to focus on impact, allowing us all to thrive in the changing world of work. So how was it designed? Well, actually 19,000 people, professionals, business leaders, industry experts, academics and members have input into the newly created map. 10,000 of these took part in the research and our principles and what it means to be a professional. 5,500 of these completed the member and non member survey and focus groups on the knowledge and behaviour areas. And others fed back about the website and on the website about the professional standards and also contributed to the map through various events. So, what does the new profession map look like? Well, the new map sets out the international standards. This is quite important, it's the international standard for people professionals to make a great impact and thrive in the changing world of work. It defines the knowledge, the behaviors, the values and the purpose undermining, sorry, underpinning our profession. It enables us to champion better work, working lives and ensures that our professional values or what's now known as principles led, evidence-based and outcomes driven. So the principles led means seeing beyond rules to do what's right in work matters, and people matters and professionalism matters. And evidence based means adding weight to professional judgment. Strong evidence from diverse sources. Outcomes driven means championing better work and working lives by making a positive difference on a personal, professional and social level. The standards have been designed that they are relevant to all people professionals, whether you're employed or self-employed, and also whether you're a CIPD member or not. And what we'd like to do now is hand over to Marco, who's going to focus now on the comparisons and the contrasts with the 2013 map. And then Marco is going to swap over to Tristan, who's going to take us through the 2018 map, and then Tristan's going to swap back to me. We then going to look at how the HR professional map relates to us in the hearing map. OK, so over to you, Marco.
0: Great, thanks, Kay. So yes, as Kay's mentioned, there's been some some interesting changes that we've had come about. So what does the map look like? What did it look like before? So as you can see on screen, the Initial 2013 map consisted of, for most part, three main concepts. So we had behaviors, we had professional areas, and we had four bands. So in essence, the map have not been changed completely. It's been reviewed. So we have a very similar feel to the new one, although it's got slightly more layers to it, and one or two additional points that has been added so what's the key key areas that we're looking at so on the old 2013 map we had 10 professional areas and the idea is as a professional practitioner we should have some awareness and knowledge on each of those areas and of course depending on your role your experience and your responsibilities you will need more or less knowledge on particular areas So that have been expanded now into 15 different knowledge areas, which has been broken down for us into core and specialist. And Tristan will touch on this in more detail in a moment. The other key area that we had on the map was the four bands. And the four bands related to the level of knowledge and experience you would have to demonstrate in your professional capacity at different bands, different levels, the expectation would increase. So from band one to band four, you would be expected to demonstrate more knowledge and more skills in different areas. So this has been reviewed slightly and the new 2018 map now looks at impact levels. And the idea is that it is so that you can identify how and where you in your current role make an impact. And it takes you through different impact levels in their guide that will help you identify where you sit within the actual new map. So then the last part of the old map was looking at eight behaviors. And the idea is as a professional, and this doesn't just apply in HR, we have to be demonstrating a particular set of behaviors as professional. So this has been revisited, and it's been updated slightly just to ensure that it remains current in this ever-changing business environment that we are operating in. So to give you a bit more of a feel for how this has changed and some of the key focus areas within the map, I'm going to hand it over to Tristan, that's going to talk you through more specifically the 2018 map and where it is leading to. So Tristan, on that note, I'm gonna hand it over to you.
2: Thank you, Marco. Hello, everyone. I hope you can hear me. Uh, You can see me on the screen. I'm going to take my picture off in a moment because it's a little bit of a distraction. Uh, Just one point to add on the top right-hand corner of the screen you will find there's a chat box, it's a bubble. Feel free to type any questions in there or if you can't hear me either from here. So I'm going to go into more details on the five circles. I'll just take my video off at the moment. Uh, As you can see, there's five circles. Uh, Right in the center is purpose. On the outer wing, and Kay has mentioned these principle-led, evidence-based, outcomes-driven, true to core knowledge, circle three, core behavior, circle four, and specialist knowledge, circle five. These are what are called the five circles of influence. CIPD have emphasized this map is not just about the activities we undertake as HR professionals, It's about the impact we have on the organisation, the impact we have on the organisation's aims and objectives, the impact we have on future strategy, the impact we have on people within the organisation in terms of providing better work and better working lives for them. So right in the centre, we have the core purpose. And CFT said this will actually guide all the other circles from here. They say their core purpose, it's quite succinct, uh, quite brief, is about championing championing better work and working lives. So everyone has a role within the organisation and HR can be this positive force for change. The three outer areas from uh, purpose, again, this guides the other areas and Kay has gone through them. So I won't give a lot of detail from them and you can ask Questions at the end, but we have first of all principles led. CRT have actually put this in place, and it's arisen from a number of scandals. Uh, so many we can actually name here but you would have found in the news. Organizations or the people within their organizations, either leaders uh, behaving badly in terms of how they treat employees, in terms of their HR practices. So we're led by principles strong core values, which we aspire to. CIT provide their own, but I'm sure your organizations are actually guided by ethical and value frameworks as well, which are led by the law, but also what's considered good practice over and above the law. Evidence-based is all about how we make our decisions and what information we use to inform decisions, whether it's internal organizational organization in terms of analytics, on people's satisfaction in the workplace, what people feel about their employee engagement or voice. It also covers uh, up-to-date research and scientific research on areas such as organisational behaviour and engagement. And outcomes driven, which is what CIP really wants to emphasise, it's all about how we add value. Obviously, we get involved in a lot of activities within the core knowledge areas, Or specialist knowledge areas, but the key point is, are we adding value to the overall objectives and aims of the organisation? Whether it be profits, whether it's market share, whether it's customer satisfaction, and CRT will enlarge on this, it's not just about short-term measures, it's about long-term sustainability. So not just focus on on short-term measures and targets, which may put the organisation at risk focusing on long-term development and engagement. So the organization is agile enough to deal with a changing environment. As we go to the outer layers, you will find core knowledge. Now, this is regardless of your specialism here. So some of you may be organizational development specialists, some may be learning and development specialists or resource and talent planning specialists. CRD have identified six core knowledge areas, and you see these labelled on the bottom left-hand side of the slide. These are core knowledge areas we need to know regardless of profession. I won't go through every single one, uh, but just to pick one or two, and you can ask questions on a few later. People practice tends to look at the whole employee lifecycle experience from recruitment right through to engagement, development and the actual leaving the organization. Culture and behavior is looking to determine the values of the organization and what behaviors the organization needs in order to adapt to a changing environment. Business acumen is a key one uh, here. Some may remember strategy insights and solutions from the old HR map. This is about having those strategic insights, knowing where your organization's going, and how the HR function and activities can contribute. It also covers areas about knowing about your competitors. So for example, if competitors have more innovative or creative products and services, well, it's about what skills we need to compete with this. Finally, business acumen is about understanding your clients. What are the client's needs? And what skills and knowledge do they require of our workforce to meet their needs? Other core knowledge areas, which has actually increased over the last five to 10 years, analytics and creating value. It's our ability to interpret data, analyze data, and see synergies between data. So for example, is there a correlation between employee engagement and customer satisfaction? Digital working, well, we find as we're doing this session here, technology is ever increasing. There's different ways of delivering learning and development opportunities. Digital technology is used in terms of dashboards to help us analyze. And then finally, a core knowledge area is about our involvement in change. Helping involve in the workforce, not only just in terms of implementing the change, but actually formulating the change, I always argue that many employees have that direct customer and client interface, so should be actively involved in the change process, given they have these direct insights. As we go to the outer layer, Marco has mentioned the behaviours from the old map. Uh, some of these are very, very similar. It's on the whole been a rebadging. There's been some developments, given some of the key ethical stand uh, issues that have happened in organizations and scandals. Uh, don't want to pinpoint organizations, but we'll highlight areas such as news of the world, sports direct working practices. You might have had things in the Arcadia group at the moment in terms of uh, their chief executive uh, there. So hence you find some of the top two behaviors mentioned are ethical practice and professional courage and influence here. This is all about doing the right things. Treating employees like human beings, making sure you're not just focused on the short-term bottom line here. It's all about acting uh, in a moral way. Of course, uh, morals all depends how they're defined. And of course, we have legislation and ethical frameworks to guide us. And some will say uh, some of the scandals and some of the issues in the banking sector, for example, following the financial crash, Well, why wasn't HR challenging some of the behaviours in the organisation? So if individuals were looking at short-term profits at the expense of long-term sustainability of the organisation, where were the HR functioning, challenging and influencing uh, some of the practices here? Of course, uh, very difficult to do. Um, There's a whole lot of other core behaviours. I won't go through every single one, but you'll find some of these core behaviours integrate with the core knowledge areas or the specialist knowledge areas. Uh, They're not uh, independent of one another. So if we look at commercial drive, which is about the fifth one down, well, this behavior should be embedded within all core core knowledge and specialist knowledge areas. It synergizes with business acumen from core knowledge, for example. Uh, If we have that commercial drive, we start focusing on what makes our organization successful, how we can meet client and service users' needs, how we can generate profits or income, not necessarily profits, but income, given that public sector and voluntary sector organizations are there to focus on the bottom line as well in terms of how they can add value, in terms of cutting costs, and actually providing income for the organization. At the bottom, well, on insights focused, Well, the more insights we have, have, the more informed our decision making. So for example, insights are what the competitors are doing, new technology that's happening in terms of digital working will enable us to be more informed in the change process. And the more we know about employees and their engagement and the climate of the workforce, the more informed we are in terms of delivering change. And finally, you have the key specialist knowledge areas. Those who are familiar with the 2013 CRD map, might recall there were 10 specialist knowledge areas. Within this one, there's nine areas, but they're all very, very similar uh, from here. Someone might have identified that employee engagement seems to have disappeared from the specialist knowledge areas here. However, if you look deeply into the map and the criteria here and the factors, you will find employee engagement is embedded in the first area of employee experience, which looks at engagement, employee voice and employee involvement as well. And a key one that has been added on uh, to the map is people analytics as technology has become more sophisticated so we can link this with digital working. And to an extent, growth of artificial intelligence, it means we're able to start finding correlations between different sets of data. Uh, One pleasing aspect here is the third third area, diversity and inclusion, has its own separate knowledge area here. I will talk forever and a day I will do in this session about some of the benefits of a diverse workforce here, Uh, but it's good it's been recognized as a key specialist area. On the map itself, uh, you've got the PDF version and if you have got access to the link I sent earlier, you can open these slides and it's quite uh, interactive. Marco's hovering over some key areas here. If you click on the key areas, you can get to the specific part. Of the CFD website, I'll just ask Marco to click on specialist knowledge. Uh, yeah. And while that's loading up, you might recall Marco went through uh, the different uh, levels if we scroll right, uh, sorry, Marco, if we click on the employee experience on the right-hand side and scroll down, you'll find the different uh, levels of HR professionalism. In essence, this is a competency framework where you actually identify how you should be operating, how you should be behaving at a certain level. Right from fundamental levels, people who are new in HR or operating at a junior level, or not working in HR at all, through to associate level, where you start advising on key areas, to chartered member level, where you're starting to head a profession, start devising strategies and policies, right through to chartered fellow uh, level, where you're actually more than likely sitting on the executive board, making integrated strategic decisions. For each one of these professional areas, whether specialist or core areas or behaviours, you will find descriptors uh, which shows you what level you could be operating at and how you progress to the other levels, hence why it's called a map. Very similar to the 2013 map. Okay, uh, that's it from me for the moment. I'll hand you back to Kay, we will start talking about how we operation, operationalise the map and how it applies to you.
1: Fantastic. Thanks very much for that, Tristan. Really, really helpful overview. Um, well, there's just a couple of things that I, I want to, to say now. Um, really, we've heard quite a lot now about the context of the, the, the new map and a little bit about the difference between the 2013 and the 2018 map. What I'd like to do now is focus on how it's going to apply to us, whether you're an existing student or a new student or an HR professional. In time, the new profession that will underpin all slightly qualifications, but this is naturally going to take some time. Um, It's also going to be embedded into the membership standards and our CPD, our continuing professional development tools. But this is probably going to roll over about the next three years. So if you're currently studying with occasional learning, everything that you're learning now is up to date and it's fit for purpose. So do keep using the 2013 profession map as a reference point for your studies, but perhaps have a look also alongside the 2018 map um, and also our newly added website for resources which focus on emerging areas of interest. And the new profession map will help us all, I think, in understanding how our HR professional practice is going to emerge in every aspect of our scientific. Okay, so what what I'd like to do now is go for questions. If anyone does have any questions, then it would be fantastic to hear from you. Does anybody have any particular questions? Because I, I have a lot. So if, if, if I have a lot that I would like to ask my colleagues here for, for their, their responses on. Um, okay. Perhaps, okay.
0: perhaps people can put questions in the chat box if they don't want to um, come on air live.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Please do use the chat box. So while you're thinking of your questions, perhaps I shall ask a couple of questions just to uh, get the ball rolling, as they say. Um, so, Tristan, just to start with, uh, you gave us a, a really comprehensive overview there of the 2018 map. I'm quite interested to know how um, strategy has really shifted. Strategy used to be the, the very central part of the 2013 map. Now, I, I, I see it's mentioned in, in quite a few places in the new map, but... wonder about your
2: thoughts on the relationship between strategy and the ODA map in the new map? Thank you Kay. Uh, It's a question that did come up in a number of CIPD uh, sessions uh, I went to from the other participants. Um, Generally speaking, um, strategy is still within uh, the map. It's embedded across all areas. In terms of the core areas, it's actively embedded in the business acumen area Uh, behind the actual headlines and the titles themselves, you will find the CFD referred to strategic insights a great deal uh, here. Of course, why it's not right bang at the centre, why it's not included, uh, I think the focus has been on, well, not a sole focus on a business-orientated strategy, where CFD had concerns about strategy looking at uh, short-term concerns, is but to really emphasise the point uh, that HR has this common purpose as well. While they identify strategy being a key one, they actually think our purpose is there to create better working lives, better work uh, for people uh, through an ethical and professional approach. But in answer to your question, you'll find it's fully embedded across all areas, particularly business Mm -hmm. acumen.
1: Thank you, Trish, and that's good to know. (laughs) Um, We've just had a question come in, actually. Do I need to change the template I use for recording my CPD? Marco, any thoughts on that one?
0: For the moment, I think, in short. um, So the question being, do I need to change the template I use? No, is the short answer. Um, So, for practical purposes, if you are currently studying on the course or you are proactively recording your your CPD, there's no need to change any of what you are currently doing. Um, So, if you are a student on a CIPD course, the existing map is, sorry, the 2013 map is the, the one that is currently still being used on the course. So, the idea is that this will be reviewed going forward. And CIPD is going to be updating courses for September 2020. But until such time, the 2013 map is is the guidance for your development. So the CPD template we use, you can still use the same record, same process, and nothing's going to change. And for most part, the process itself is also not likely to change after the new map is formally introduced. Uh, So the, the concept of recording your CPD but it may just be that we we add extra focus areas to what we think about when we develop ourselves. So I've already started thinking about my CPD and some of the possible areas, including the new map. So it's not excluding new map content, but the actual template and document we use is still very much the old CPD, well, the 2013 map and all the guidance that sits within that one. Thanks, Mark, that,
1: that's the same for me. So for my big focus really is um, internationalization. And um, the, the broadening scope, I think, of what the new HR map is all about. But again, um, just to re emphasize, we, we can still use the existing paperwork. Um, no, no immediate changes on there. So I think that one of the key messages just to highlight is the fact that they, we do have a transition period. There's no need for people to panic or to rush to change what they're doing in terms of their current practices. OK, thanks, thanks, Marco.
2: OK. I can... just... Sorry, I can see two other questions uh, there. Uh, One of Paul uh, O'Sullivan, bear in mind the buzz phrase over the last few years has been employee engagement. Is it curious that the term itself has been eliminated, albeit clearly present still? Uh, On that one, uh, you're right, Paul, it's not one of the key headings here, Uh, but the term uh, is very much still a buzz phrase. Uh, If we go into the CRD map, uh, the specialist areas, the very top uh, item is employee experience. Uh, to an extent, they got engagement all across the indicators there. So it's covered within that area uh, here, along with employee voice and employee involvement. I think the rationale was employee engagement felt uh, it meant so many different things to so many people. So they looked at employee experience across the life cycle of employment. And I think well, there's one off Sonia, uh, previously on the CIT site there was a site where you could answer the questions on my CPD map. Is this update to reflect the new map allowing you to know which level you are on and what you need to do to develop further? At the moment CIT, uh, to my knowledge I've looked on the site continuously, haven't put this for the new map yet. No. They s- still say the 2013 map is wholly relevant. So I imagine that's work in progress for the CIPD as the 2013 map gets less relevant over time.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Sonia, just to add to that, the existing process and the self-assessment tool that you're referring to is still the current practice. So that is the map uh, that we're still using to assess our own our own levels and our own abilities and knowledge. So for the moment, that is what what is going to be actively running. But as and Tristan says, work in progress, and it's one of those, watch the space for details as CIPD is working um, on updating things as we go.
1: Absolutely, thanks, Mark. I see we've got another question here. How will these changes impact on my membership level? Actually, this is this is an interesting question because one of the, um, the differences be- between the, the new map and the old map is this introduction of the fundamental level. Um, and so this, this actually is going to be a little bit different. So, Marco, any thoughts about um, how these changes are going to impact on membership levels?
0: Yes, the, the fundamental level, um, it's quite good in how it's been set up in that it is appropriate for general professional practitioners rather than being specifically focused on a particular uh, role or, or department for that matter. So, Um, ultimately it is looking at the more day-to-day tactical operations that we may be involved in. So it doesn't exclude anyone, and it's quite good in how the map is set up. If you look online, they've got a great guide for the whole map um, online, which takes you through the expectations at each level. And the fundamental level is quite good that it is the basic platform in terms of the professional uh, knowledge and behaviours that we need to show Um, to be able to develop going forward so it gives us the basics and then of course going into the other levels it means that it does give you a bit of a progression route in terms of how you develop and how you focus what you're doing going forward Um, by the nature of the new design the next three levels up have been linked to the professional membership criteria so there lies a little bit of a Situation that people may not necessarily identify with it if they are, for example, a non-professional member, such as a student or academic member or affiliate member. Uh, But the fundamental level is quite good in that it gives you the basic platform um, of expectations going forward.
1: Thanks, Marco. I I think it's actually really, really useful to have the additional membership level there because it widens the, the basis of the HR profession um, and, and sort of incorporate um, people who perhaps might not have seen themselves identifying with the HR professionals before. Um, and as far as we're aware, there are no current plans um, to, uh, to change or, or, or any potential impact on, on current membership. So um, nothing, nothing to worry about there. Um, we've got a, a question, another question coming, actually. Um, or, or, yeah, question. There are a few case studies in the New map area do we know if the CIP applied the new map in these cases?
2: Tristan, do you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, as far as I can see from the map and uh, looking at it, uh, I think they have. Uh, they don't give a huge amount of details, but I think generally they're providing case studies so you can actually put areas of the map into context. And uh, They're not fictitious case studies, so I can see they're all real life organisations. Uh, as with any case studies, those who study uh, know and interrogating the information. Sometimes case studies only tell you half the story. Mm.
1: Sure, sure. We've got another question here. Do I have to use the new map, or can I stick to the old one? Uh, I think we've probably already answered that to some extent. I'm absolutely fine to focus still on the, the 2013 map. We're going to have a transition time for a couple of years until the, if you're a student, until the new assignment are devised and implemented, um, and if you're an HR professional, again, probably years to embed the new standard. But of course, there's nothing to stop you from having a good read and uh, starting to think about how your current experience aligns to that new criteria. So please do keep your questions coming in. We've got a few more minutes. Um, so the question from someone who can't be here who said I specialise in employee engagement but I see this isn't listed what does this mean for the future of my role? Tristan I think did you mention this earlier?
2: Yeah, we've already mentioned this uh, again for the person who can be uh, it's embedded within the specialist area of employee experience uh, and you find it hasn't disappeared it's mentioned so many times under employee experience. In fact, I've been informed some organisations are using the terminology employee experience rather than employee engagement.
1: Thank you, Tristan. <laughs> I wonder if I can just ask Tristan, whilst you there, a question on people practice. Now, this is a new term, um, which we, we've not seen in the 2013 map. So this piece of practice, what, what does this actually mean in the core knowledge? And, how,
2: how do we measure it? Okay, um, in terms of the core knowledge uh, areas, this is quite general terminology. Uh, so it says regardless of specialism, uh, generally we should have core knowledge across all of the specialist areas. Uh, so generally we are generalists and so we know uh, virtually all about the employee life cycle within the organisation. So although we may be learning and development specialists, We have understanding about the impact of recruitment processes. Uh, We have an understanding of the impact of pay and reward, what these have on engagement levels uh, here. So the people practice tends to take this holistic approach where it determines how the areas of HR practice interrelate with one another and actually cohere together to help form the business strategy. Big question, that's the million dollar question, okay, in terms of measuring this uh, across different areas. There's all sorts of analytics uh, to actually determine how you're having an impact on in the organisation. Uh, so it could be trying to align employee involvement and voice practices with customer satisfaction, for example. It could be linking uh, learning and development interventions with long-term performance or engagement levels. Uh, generally, uh, there are generic um, analytics you can do and KPIs you can put in place, but uh, what the CID advise, while you actually apply uh, what is applicable to your own organisation. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. That, that's really helpful. Thank you, Kristen. It's just—it's nice just to be uh, a little bit aware of the new terminology, and you know, I don't think it'll take us very long to embed that in our in our current discussions. But it's uh, you know, when it's a little bit new, like it's just really good to clarify. Um, okay. Oh yeah. Sorry, Marco. Please.
0: Sorry, I, I just wanted to say that that links to some another question that um, was asked by Michelle, uh, in terms of how we move over. Um, and Michelle had a question about whether the 5-DVP module, so this is the development module at level five, whether that will be changing in line with the new map. And that also applies to the 4-DEP or 3-BEP uh, modules if you are studying on one of the other levels. Um, and just in answer to Michelle's question, we've kind of touched on this before, there's no changes to the existing modules as they currently stand. Okay? And all the current courses, students on the current courses, is doing the 5-DVP or 4-DEP modules in its current state using the old 2013 map. As of next year, so September 2020, CIPD intends to review the course, at which point it is likely to then be based on the 2018 map. Uh, yeah, I would
2: like to add to that. Uh, having delivered CID courses for the 20 years, I think is the CIPD done a really positive action uh, this time around. Rather than just bringing a map in, changing all the assignments and all the standards as a one-size-fits-all approach, we're all scrabbling around trying to understand it, they're using the two maps consecutively and bringing in the new map gradually. So as we become more familiar with the terminology, the content of the map, the factors of the map, they will start gradually adding uh, new details on this, new assessments, new indicators. So it's done in quite a positive and gradual way of change, uh, which um, which I find wonderful. But it does leave a number of questions on the map itself, uh, which we hope in will materialise.
1: No, I think it's a really interesting development and a really positive way of moving it forward. I'm actually really pleased they've got rid of employee engagement um, and named it um, because it's such a bigger thing, engagement. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing that they're actually thinking in such a much broader way. Um, but I'm thinking with, with, with students, we could use them as comparisons to each other, can't we? We can actually start seeing the map changing, which is amazing and seeing how they've taken into consideration all the things that we used to say they didn't and they've evolved. I think it's a really interesting, and you're right Tristan, I think it's great that they're not drawing a line at it until people have got had chance to look at it and review it, which is great. Thanks guys. That's
0: right, but I think Michelle, what it also tries to do then, it tries to keep things current. So we're not completely closing a door on one thing, mm. it's a gradual move because we've got to just keep up with things as we go. Great, thank you.
1: got a comment here from Anne, who says the information and overviews on the site are really interesting and certainly reflective about the profession developing, but perhaps it may all make more sense in practice, let's hope so, once the new tool is launched. Um, for now, however, the content and changes can certainly influence and inform our practice and provide a framework to develop our knowledge areas. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Thank you for sharing that, Anne. So, we've just got two more minutes, two more minutes if anybody wants to ask us any questions at all. And um, please note that this is being recorded, and anyone who wasn't able to be here with us um, live today, we will be emailing the, the questions to you. And so, our responses to the questions will probably um, make more sense. <laughs> any other questions from anyone?
2: Any thoughts or views on the actual map? Uh, does anyone quite like the look of it? Uh, has it improved? Uh, you can do intensive practice?
1: I know for me, when I first looked at the map, I was a little bit hesitant because I thought there were a few gaps and things that I thought should have been there, but actually the more I've digested and read and, and, and considered it, the more I'm actually quite excited to be using it going forward.
2: One thing to emphasise as well, this isn't static, this map. Uh, So it will adapt over time as well as the environment changes, client needs changes, new research arises. Uh, This map uh, may actually uh, change in certain instances, which it should. Uh, We all work, or many of us work in organisations which are constantly going through change and we adapt our HR strategies. To reflect these changes, CIP uh, practicing what
0: they preach to an extent. Absolutely,
1: Any final comments
0: Marte? No, I think it's a good way forward. I think there's a couple of key things in there that really gets you thinking about whether we are still doing what we should be doing to remain professional um, and of course some new areas that get us thinking about what's current and uh, what we should be paying attention to. Digital, for example, technology. And if anyone out there is not affected by it, I want to meet that person because of course we're all affected by it in some way or another. And this map just kind of re-highlights the fact that we've got to keep up with the times. So, so and as Tristan says, it'll probably keep keep reviewing things um, as it should. And I think I think that's quite important that we we don't get comfortable or complacent, more complacent, um, because we are comfortable with what we know. We should forever be changing and looking at whether what we have still works.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Marco. And just a final thought, if anyone does have any questions about the HR professional map going forward, please do contact Acacia Learning and we can get back to you with responses to your questions by email or whatever other platform you want to use. So please, please do get in touch, keep in touch. And we look forward to hearing from you. So that's about it for Thomas for now. Huge thanks to to my colleagues here, Tristan and Marco, and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you. Bye bye.
2: Thank you all. Just Thank on you. your questions, Sonia, Uh we we can provide webinars. Anything you want provided, we can look into providing uh, these. Um, we find it a great way to interact and get to those people. Indeed.